Let's turn the Bibles tonight to the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter number 3, the book of Daniel chapter number 3. And we look forward to what the Lord has for us in the Word of God tonight. In this uh, message, the Lord impressed upon me to preach this evening. I know it's the last Sunday night of the year, and uh, you're anticipating uh, getting out and eating your Christmas leftovers. And uh, I promise you, you will get to do so it, they just might be New Year's leftovers before we get to them. Uh, no, I'll try to be very timely tonight, but this is a message the Lord put on my heart, and I want to bring it tonight. It's one of those messages It's good uh, for me to say some of the things that I'm going to say tonight, and it's good for you to hear me say uh, some of the things that I'm going to say tonight, and it's good for us to always uh, be uh, reminding ourselves of our position um, and uh, we have a Bible position, and you'll understand as I get into the message this evening, and over the next few Sundays, uh, there are going to be messages that I, it's going to sound odd to say, I preach on purpose, uh, that state our position, state where we are as a church, where we're heading, uh, what the Lord has for us to do, and uh, so uh, the Lord has impressed upon me to bring this message tonight, and so I'll do so. Daniel chapter number 3 uh, beginning in verse number 1, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Verse number 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Most of us, if not all of us, are familiar with this story and what takes place next. And how the, as they refer to the three Hebrew children, these were not children, these were uh, young men, and they were men, certainly, uh, in, in their stand, were taken and thrown into that fiery furnace. We know how it ends. 
that king looks into that fiery furnace, and it, it is said, as they look in there, there's four men loose in the fire. Didn't we throw in three? And there's one likened to the Son of God. God delivered them. But I want us to back up to how that all started. It all started with a golden image being created and man being told that they had to worship. Now, pagans creating an image and then pagans worshiping an image, that, that's nothing new to them. That's what pagans have always done. But for God's people, it's a big deal. It is something that we cannot go along with. So I'm going to use this story tonight, and I wanted to point out some things that are kind of obvious to us as way of introduction, but it's certainly as we move forward uh, in our life, move forward in the day that we live, we want to be aware of. And tonight I want to preach on a message I've entitled, Golden Images to Which I Will Never Bow. Golden Images to Which I Will Never Bow. I think it's very, very important for Christians to have what I call a non-negotiable list. Uh, when I do premarital counseling, I, I tell those couples, I say, you need to get you a non-negotiable list that no matter what takes place in this world, no matter what takes place in your life, they're not up for negotiation. I didn't say you negotiate them and you keep them. You don't even negotiate them. Every young preacher ought to have a non-negotiable list. There are some things that they just decide, this is where I stand, this is what I believe in, and I'm not negotiating it. As a pastor, I have a non-negotiable list. Now, I don't, it, you know, I'll give my opinion if, if asked. I don't care what color the carpet is. I don't care what color the walls are. But there's some things on this list I'm not negotiating. I'm not discussing. So I believe every Christian ought to have, you may not call it the non-negotiable list, but that's a pretty good name. Uh, but put it in this context, some golden images to which I will never bow. I would say there were probably some Jews that bowed. Many of them probably bowed because they had never decided not to bow. They had never decided. They made one compromise in Daniel chapter 1 when they sat at the king's table and they began to eat instead of saying, I'm not partaking of that. And that one compromise leads to another, and now they're bowing before an image they never thought they would bow to. So this evening, I want to give you some golden images to which I will never bow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of not only Daniel, but these uh, Hebrew men. And Father, I pray that uh, we will glean much from your word tonight. And Father, your people are faithful people. They uh, serve you faithfully. And Father, I pray that uh, we would just be reminded as we go into a new year, uh, there'll be new opportunity, but there'll be new challenges. Uh, there'll be new difficulties that uh, we have to face as this world uh, gets prepared for your return, Christ's return. Uh, we know that in many ways it's going to get worse and worse. And Father, I pray uh, that if we find ourselves in a situation that we never thought we'd be in, we would already have decided uh, some things that we believe. We already would have decided uh, some things that we're not open for negotiating with. And Father, I pray that you'll help your people tonight. Uh, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar is the king. And Nebuchadnezzar was not just a king, he was a conquering king. He was a king that had a lot of ambition. He was a king that he, quite frankly, he led uh, the most powerful nation at the time, the most powerful kingdom. Many of the Jews had gone into captivity, one of those being Daniel, of whom uh, the name of the book is, is, is given. Daniel uh, was a captured youth, and 
because of the stands of Daniel and God's favor, uh, now he served in the kingdom as a prince. We find Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three Hebrews men, they were also, also captured youth. And because of the favor of God, they found favor with Nebuchadnezzar, and they also served in the kingdom. We find that Nebuchadnezzar has set up this golden image. and He calls all of his government together, and he deputizes all of his government to go and enforce what he has established. And at the playing of the music, all the people are to bow and worship this golden image. And just on the command, all of the instruments begin to play, and the Scripture is very clear that in the decree there was to be no exceptions. All languages, all people, uh, whether you were native, whether you were captured, uh, you were all to, to bow and to worship. There was a problem, though, because there were some troublemakers who refused to go along with what everyone else was doing. And certainly, the Scripture tells us that there were some Chaldeans that they had already marked them, and as soon as they did not kneel, bear in mind, uh, the kingdom is vast. There's no way the king is sitting there looking to see who's bowing and, and who's not bowing. Uh, when the music sounded, these three Hebrew men did not bow. And there were some who came and reported them to the king and let them know that they did not bow. These were the certain Jews, if you a couple of observations I'll make here. The, we find in the first part of this chapter that the golden image was in, man, in a man's image. It's amazing to me today that what people worship. And outside of Jehovah God, outside of the true God, it's always in the image of man. You want to find a God, it's in man's image. It's his own decision making. It's his, it's his own uh, plans. It's his own... Uh, way of thinking. It's his own understanding. It is always in the image of man. The world we live in, even in, in, in the day we live, in the, in, the, in, in the commentary that we hear in our nation, and our, even our political movement today, it's all from a man's viewpoint. And it's in man's likeness. And, and that we, find, we find in verse number 12 that there were certain Jews you can almost sense the negative connotation. Certain Jews. Kind of like there's always been certain preachers who wouldn't go along. Certain churches. Certain Christians. Certain family members who would not, who always, why can't we just set everything aside? Okay, why don't you set everything aside and go to church with me? If we just want to be, if we just want to be family. Uh, there's always been those who are willing to be certain. I'm so thankful, so thankful the influence I had as a young, as a young person, as a young man, a young preacher. The preachers and the, and the men that God allowed to influence me, that I heard it so many times, decide what you believe, decide what you believe, decide what you believe. And I decided what I believe, and there's not a YouTube channel or a, YouTube or a podcast that's gonna, that I'm even going to entertain. Uh, that's going to change what I believe. It's a non-negotiable. These Jews, they were considered troublemakers. I imagine if you put it in the context of the day, there were probably some good old independent Baptists that would come to them and say, now, how in the world are you going to reach these Chaldeans? 
if you're going to take a stand against their culture, if you're going to take a stand against what they're used to doing, how in the world you're being a bad testimony to, no, there's ought to be some things, and some people willing to be some certain Jews, certain Christians, uh, who when man creates an image, I'm not going to go along with it. And we find there's got observations that we have to be willing sometimes to be that individual. I think we ought to try and get along with anybody who will get along with us. And you know me, I'm so easy to get along with. And I, I can get along with anybody. I'm very laid back, very easy going. <clears throat> but don't create an image that I'm supposed to worship because I'm not going to worship it. Don't create something, say, demand that when the music plays, that I ought to worship something that, uh, that takes the place of God. Uh, and I just thought it would be good for us as we look to a new year. I, you can jump on board with these if you want. But these are some golden images that I will never bow down to. And I have five of them. I stopped at five this evening, but I think they'll cover most things this evening. Number one is secular education. I'm not bowing to the God of secular education. And I'm not going to do it. Um, it's just, it's, I, I believe that there's a way to educate our children. We should educate our children. We should educate them uh, from the viewpoint of Scripture. I'm thankful for the ministries that we have. I'm thankful for Brian Christian Academy. Um, I didn't need a bunch of, <laughs> so many men that were so old-fashioned then. I can only imagine how old-fashioned they'd be if they were still preaching today. Why, why would I, I could still hear Brother House, why would I have a bunch of sorry Christians who don't go soul winning, don't attend church, come and tell me that my teachers are certified enough to teach my kids? I'm not doing it with my Sunday school. But I'm not going to bow down and worship secular education. I'm just, just not a God that I'm, I'm, go, I'm, go, I'm golden image. I'm not going to worship. Um, one of the biggest problems our nation has is the public school system. That's where they're taught that God is not God. Uh, America is evil. I mean, they're not, not all public, I'm not saying everybody in the public school is bad. It's, but the system is. The curriculum is. Uh, man did not evolve from an amoeba. He did not come from a monkey. He, he, he is created in the image of God. The image of God. And uh, we, should, we should be reminded of that. Um, but I'm not bowing to the golden image. I'm not going to be, as a preacher, I'm not going to be intimidated. Well, what accredited degrees do you have? Well, by your standards, none. But I know that book. I can spend time in that book. I'm not going to bow down to secular education, and Christian, neither should you. Uh, number two, um, I'm not going to worship the golden image of religious cooperation. You know, I have, <laughs> the Lord's allowed me to be a thorn in the side of a lot of, uh, and I have had not tried, I just tried to mind my business. But, you know, I'm not going to get together with the Catholics or anybody else to protest abortion. I'm against abortion. It is evil. It is vile. It is wicked. It is barbaric. It is, and please do not take this out of context. I, you know, we want to talk about slavery, which is wrong and is a scourge in the history of our nation. But how come some of the same people who were talking about that don't mind murdering unborn babies? Now, no man should own another man, regardless of his race. Everybody should be treated fairly and with respect. We all believe that. But doesn't that go to unborn children? 
um, it's a scourge on our nation. And quite frankly, God's judgment is not going to be withheld because of it. But I'm not going to cooperate with those who murdered my forefathers to protest abortion. I'm not going to cooperate with those who deny Jesus as the Savior of the world. I'm just, I'm not bowing down to that image. And can, can I just say, in, in some of these things I mention, some of these things I want to be very clear on as we set forth into a new year. Happy holidays, by the way. I want to just, I want to just, I want to set these forward because, because of the internet and because of the things that we're all exposed to and all these different opinions, that I believe there's got to continue to be strong statements made so that we understand where the Bible lines up on things. But even, there's a lot of independent Baptists. I'm not going to, the Emmanuel Baptist Church is a local autonomous church. Nobody gives, you can give your opinion all day long, but it's not up for negotiation. Uh, I, religious, I'm not bowing down to that God. Pastor, don't you know you'll ever, never preach at your alma mater? Never asked. Don't you know that you'll get excluded? I'm not asking. I'm very happy being the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm very content doing what God has for me to do. All I'm saying is I'm not going to bow down to that God. And you should feel the same way. We serve the true and living God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they lived in our day today, they wouldn't have had very much of a social media following. They would have been canceled by society. But were they right? Absolutely they were right. Absolutely they stood where they were supposed to stand. I'm not going to bow to the golden image of religious cooperation. Now, I want to be kind. I want to be courteous. I'm not going to go out of my way to try and hurt someone. But I, I shouldn't participate in things that the Bible forbids me to participate. If we, if we're, if, if, how can two walk together if they're not agreed? If we can't even agree with who Jesus is, then how are we going to continue to, how are we going to do, let's reach the world with the gospel. And then we want to link arms with Calvinists. How are you going to reach the world with the gospel, with people who don't even believe that the world can be saved? I'm still waiting for somebody to explain, with all your PhDs, could somebody explain that to me? Um, you know, we have got to stay with the true living word in its positions. Number three. I'll move along because I'm sure it'll, we'll just, well, let me just go ahead and give it. I'm not going to bow down to the golden image of a political revolution. It is not my job to get anybody elected. God didn't call me to keep a Republican in, in, into Congress. He didn't call me to keep a Republican in the White House. He didn't come. I'd, now, I'd rather have certain ones, and let me just say, Thank God for Governor DeSantis. You know, if you're here visiting from out of town, you know, we live in Florida. He's our governor. I'm sorry. There's a bump. We, we, won, we won by living in Florida. I mean, it's 75 degrees outside, and we have a governor that believes in freedom. Glory to God there. Not, every, not everywhere is that way. But it's not my responsibility. It wasn't my responsibility to keep Donald Trump in the White House. Now, I voted, and I didn't vote for the guy who's there. He said, well, Pastor, I didn't either. You might have. Who knows? <laughs> you might not have intended to, but you might really have. 
We just don't know. You know, but, but it's, not, it's not my responsibility. My responsibility as a preacher of the gospel is to preach the gospel. As Christians, we are to reach this world with the gospel. Now, in many respects, it is easier when we have the right kind of leaders and rulers. Nobody's disputing that. And I believe Christians have a responsibility. We have a right as a citizen of this great country, which means we have a responsibility. I've never bought into this. Well, I don't like you, the candidate. I'm not voting. Well, there are men who shed their blood on foreign soil so that we could have the right to vote. I believe a Christian ought to vote. That's just my... You don't have to line up with me on that. That's just my belief. I believe we ought to vote. But regardless of who ends up, my responsibilities stay the same. Say, what are we going to do to get Trump back in the White House? That has never crossed my mind. Never crossed my mind. Now, I'd like to have him over the guy that's there. I'm not even sure the guy who's there even knows he's there. But that's, that's that's a whole other story right there. But that's never crossed my mind. My mind is how can we reach more families in Jacksonville, Florida with the gospel? You know, if we would spend less time canvassing neighborhoods as churches for voters and spend more time canvassing churches trying to reach people to be saved across this country, the voting thing would probably take care of itself. If Christians would determine to live the way they're supposed to live, you know that verse in the Bible, righteousness exalts a nation? I think we, many times in our churches we replace that with Republicans exalt the nation. No, righteousness does. Now, I love my country. I, I, I'm thankful for my country. I would fight for my country. The greatest way I can fight for my country is to be righteous, is to do what it is that God has given me to do. I'm not going to bow to the golden image of political revolution. Number four, I'm not going to bow to the golden image of secular norms. You could call this political correctness. The Bible is not politically correct. I'm writing about this, and I'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks when I preach about some things the Lord's been doing in my life and put on my heart. But I'm writing about this in a book, Lord willing, that'll be out in this next year. That we live in a day, it is here, where if you stand on the Word of God, you are going to stick out like a sore thumb in this society. And because of the internet and because of technology today, the devil and his crowd are not going to sit back. They're not going to. And, oh, we understand it. We've been through it. People are going to demand you be politically correct, and we're going to demand that you line up the way we say you line up. And, you wonder where I fall on that. You can reference my message, just forward my mail to Cave at Doolam. I'm not going to be politically correct. I want to be scripturally correct. And quite frankly, there are too many Christians intimidated by, 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 by Christians who don't even know how many books in the Bible they are, but want to dictate to them what they do in their own church. I'm not bowing down to that God. Uh, political correctness is, is not what, where the Bible lines us up. And Christian, you need to be very, very careful. I, I'm not saying take a pulpit with you to work. Uh, that's not what I'm saying at all. But you just need to be warned. I mean, I do, but I don't know what y'all's problem is. But, uh, you know, it, that's a whole other story. Uh, no, but I'm saying is you've got to be very careful. The society is going to demand that you line up a certain way. Let me remind you who's in charge 
of our government. Well, it's, it's, it's really, no, 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 it's Satan himself. Are you Satan? No, every principality. That's what the scripture tells us. This world system is controlled by him. You think that as he gets more and more control, do you think he's going to be, just sit back and let those that preach the word of God do so unobstructed? You know, it would be nice as a, as a parent, you want to rear your children. I just wish I was just, you see, if I could just rear my children, have no problems at all, I would be wonderful. Yeah, well, that's not life. The devil's going to try and get in your way. He's going to hinder you. We've got great plans and goals, don't we, as a church? Great things that we want to do for the Lord. You know who's going to fight that? The devil is. He comes in many shapes and sizes and wears many different names on his on his, on his name tag, and there's lots of ways that he does that. Well, he's going to obstruct, but uh, I'm just going to let you know as your pastor that I'm not, I am not going to bow to the God of secular norms. Sadly, there's many independent Baptists, and they, are, they have hurt our country. And I don't know if our country will ever go back, because instead of standing with the truth and standing on Bible principle, they've chosen political correctness, and they've chosen to take a position that would keep heat off of them and quite frankly, it has hurt the local New Testament church. And in my opinion, they have hurt their churches more than any liberal in, in, in Washington, D.C. We can't bow to the God of social norms. I'm still going to preach against abortion. I'm still going to preach against alcohol in the homes of Christians. You know, at Brian Christian Academy, we're still standing and saluting the Pledge of Allegiance. We're still, we're still doing those things, and whether it's politically correct or not, nobody, no student at Brink Christian Academy is going to kneel when the national anthem's played. None of that's going to take place. Um, I've said enough about that. Number five, y'all ready to go home? Sometimes I feel all alone up here. Again, happy holidays, happy new year. I'm not going to bow to the golden image of financial security. You know, I, I preach a message like this because it's important for you to be reminded where I stand. You know, where I stand. And we need to be reminded where we're supposed to stand. And I'm not going to bow to the God, the golden image of financial security. Now, there's four that I've already mentioned that many of most would say amen to that. But, oh, America has fallen because of the dollar bill, because of financial security. Many young people have chosen positions and jobs that are out of the will of God for a dollar. For a dollar. For supposed ease. Pastor, I don't want to fight those battles. I don't want it. It's financial security. Now, I thank God for every blessing that comes from God. We taught on stewardship this year, and I believe that, I mean, we live in the greatest day of opportunity. The greatest day of opportunity. And to our young couples and, and young people, well, get, get the financial education that you can get, but do not put, put that dollar on the throne of your life. Well, I believe if you, we have, we live in this great nation. I'm not going to preach to you that we should, we should not have and we should not try and achieve. I believe that God blesses. And I believe God will bless you and God will bless me. And it's even in a financial way. God knows somebody has got to finance all these dreams and plans that he's given me. God will bless us. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
But I'm not going to bow to the God of financial security. Financial security is not the thing that should cause us to seek based on our decisions, or make our decisions based on that. But certainly we depend on God and trust in God. We certainly have that. And God will bless. I, I don't want to make my decisions based on what I think the outcome of anything is going to be. And friend, you and I, we need to make sure that we stay close to the Lord and do what God tells us to do. It's, the emphasis isn't going to change here. The preaching is going to stay the same. The emphasis is going to stay the same. That we ought to rear our young people to serve the Lord with their life. Well, they need to have a, a, they need to have a career to fall back on. Nowhere in this Bible will you find God having an alternate plan. Now, from our failures, aren't you thankful that he picks us up and he still uses and sets us on a course? But I think every one of us ought to plan on serving God all of our days. I, I taught this a couple Sunday mornings ago. God's in charge of the job market. I could, give, I could have some come up here and give testimonies tonight. Of, yeah, they went to the Christian school. They went to Bible college, got their degree. God chose not to put them in the ministry. They're doing just fine. They're working jobs that they quote-unquote aren't qualified for. What, why? Because God. The emphasis is not going to change. It's got to stay the same. There's a world that we have to reach with the gospel. We go back to our text this evening, and I'm concluding. There was a golden image set up in the image of a man. There were many who most bowed and worshipped, and there were a few who did not. Why didn't they? Because they knew that there was one only worthy of worship. And you and I must be reminded why we don't do, and in the context of the outline tonight, there's golden images that I'll never bow to. Everybody's got to decide those things for themselves. But why not? You know, I mentioned that I'm not going to worship the golden image of political revolution. It's not because I don't love my country. I love my country. You're aware of my love of American history and the price that was paid, and I want America to continue to be great, but only God is worthy. If I'm ever asked to decide where my loyalty is, that decision has already been made. If, But I have wonderful preacher friends, and many times those change through the years, And but if I'm ever asked, you can keep your relationship or you can keep your loyalty to the Word of God, that decision has already been made. If the ultimatum comes to me, if a family ever comes to me and says, you need to stop preaching on this or we're leaving, my response is going to be, I love you and it breaks my heart, but can I make a recommendation to you? Because some things have already been decided. And I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians, they get blindsided by the circumstances that we're placed in this life, and there's some things they've never decided. You know why there's so many around here who've been part of this church for not just years, but decades? Because they decide. You think, you think nothing ever came along that they got offended by? You think nothing ever came along where they, they had a question about? You think, you think their, their, their world never got rocked? No, they decided that this is where God put me, and it'll have to be God who moves me from here. 
You know how men have such great respect for men who have stayed faithful and their hair is gray or white, what they have left of them. They've preached the gospel for decade after decade after decade and their step is a lot slower and they can't do what they used to do. But they stayed. How does somebody do that? They didn't decide when they were 75. I'm never giving in this world. They decided when they were 25. that They're never getting in this world. I enjoy going back to the nursery. I enjoy the end of the service and everybody comes through and greets me and tells me how wonderful the message was. Well, I thought I'd get a bigger response than that. but And the kids come through. I love taking a minute and speaking to the kids and talking to the kids. Alyssa and Colin are in town and they were over and Diamani and Sarah came over and some things never change. Diamani's going through my refrigerator. He's going through my pantry. He's going through. I made a note to myself when he's over, don't say make yourself at home because, you know. But they had little Antonio with them. And they were trying to play games, and Antonio was fussy. He was not on board. So I went and got little Antonio and took him in the office, and after a while, he just needed the soothing words of his pastor to speak to him. Before long, he fell asleep on pastor. Then again, I remembered it's Diamani and Sarah. They're like, pastor's got the kid. Two hours later, they're still in there playing games. Am I telling the truth? I'm telling the truth. I'm surprised they didn't sneak out and leave him behind. No, but we talked for a minute. We, we, Fellowship said, let me tell you about your dad. Let me tell you about your mom. I enjoy that. That's a sweet time of life. I remember when my children were that age. But I say all that to say, you couples that have children that age, you better decide now how you're going to rear your children. Matter of fact, you better decide before you have children. You better decide when those little, and dad, just trust me on this, if you've never had girls or you are, are, are going to have multiple girls, you need to trust me on this. You better decide where your line is before those big eyes look up at you. There's something about dad and daughter. You better decide. There are many times, and, and, and my children, as you know, are not perfect, but I'm thankful that there are many times I said, I'm not budging on this because I've already decided. And so many others, and, to, and, I'm not, and, not, and I'm not patting myself on the back, it's only to the glory of God because I decided. So in that moment, they haven't decided, and so they... Move that line. You can run as far as you want. I mean, you can come right all the way, but don't, 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 don't push that line. It's not moving. Parents, you better decide. Before they get to be 16, 17, 18. You better decide, and I can say this as a father of three daughters, you better decide before they come home and want to talk to you about a boy. If you don't, this is what happens right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, re, I remember when I was introduced to him, my wife's like, man, you just gave your approval awful fast. 
Look, I decided a long time ago what I would and what, and my kids knew. I used to tell, I've told all my daughters this. I used to tell Alyssa, Alyssa, you start looking for that husband, you better imagine, say, picture him sitting around, and can he just get along? Can he just sit in a room with my dad? Can he watch a ball game with my dad? Can he, can he? I said, because I can't pretend. And if you want every Thanksgiving from now to, to Jesus comes to be as awkward and miserable as possible, pick the wrong one. Say, Pastor, you told, Absolutely. Well, I, there's lines, and we have to decide ahead of time. I'm going to use some humor there, but there's the principle behind it. Because to be honest, as the heart of a dad, there's times I've said, I've wondered, I've second-guessed myself. I said, is this, is this what I should be doing? Is this how I should be doing it? But I had to go back to the principles that I decided. This coming Sunday will be nine years that I've been your pastor. There's been many challenges over that, those nine years. I decided a long time ago that there are some things as a pastor that are non-negotiable. As a preacher, non-negotiable. As a Christian, you need to decide some things that are non-negotiable. Because just as Nebuchadnezzar in this day said, I'm going to make a God in my image, man is still doing that today. He's still doing that today. And you and I have to be reminded, before it's time, before the music, when the music starts sounding and you haven't decided, it's too late. It's too late. Because society has proven over and over again that you're always going to go with the crowd. It's too late. You better decide beforehand the do's and the don'ts. And you say, Pastor, I wish I'd have heard this before this and this. Well, you've heard it now. You know it now. Let's decide some things about the future. As we go to invitation this evening, maybe there's some areas the Lord's impressed upon your heart. You may not have the same things that I put down, but I think it's important, again, for us to know as a church where the pastor stands on some issues. It's important that we know that we're not bowing to the gods of this world, that we're going to stay to the best of our ability, true to the things of the Word of God and the things of God. But you as a Christian need to decide some things. Um, you know where I stand. Where do you stand? Have you decided, couples, how you're going to rear your children? Christian, have you decided that you're going to determine to be faithful no matter what? Because, and I'll, I'll close with this, all of, us have sense, all of us have pressure points. If you don't decide in every area of your life, guess where our adversary is coming? He knows where to hurt you. He knows where to get you. See, it's easy for me to stand tonight and say things like this because they've already been proven in my life. But they'll have to be reproven. Another test will come. You say, this is what I'm going to do. The adversary's coming. He's going to test you. Many of you could give testimony tonight that there's no joy. Even as they were facing that fiery furnace, they had the satisfaction of knowing, I didn't bow to any other God. If I'm, they didn't know God was going to deliver them. If you read the, read the text, we believe that, and I'm paraphrasing, our God can deliver us. But if not, they at least knew that they were going to see him not, not bowing to someone who did not deserve their worship. Father, I pray that you'll...